0: We are live. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first Vertex Outdoors podcast. Um, Hopefully. First of many. First of many. Many more to come. Um, This episode, we're just going to do a little bit of an introduction to ourselves and as to what Vertex Outdoors is and just the stuff we want to accomplish. Um, So just for intro of ourselves first. First.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll go first. Uh, My name's Andy. Um, Been in love with the outdoors since I was just a wee little tot, if you will. Um, Been fishing really since six years old, probably. About as early as I can remember going fishing. And haven't put a rod down since. Um, Hunting, you know, BB gun as a kid and all that fun stuff. And then really actual... I guess you consider big game hunting started last year and have fallen head over heels in love with it and want nothing more than to do with my time other than spending in the woods and sitting in tree stands and watching deer walk by and hopefully killing them if I are lucky enough this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I do have a normal job, nine to five, work at a Napa Auto Parts, married, no kids yet, but we'll see what happens. Otherwise, just a regular old Average Joe. work out at Average Joe's Gymnasium, (laughs) and uh, I am part of their dodgeball team, believe it or not.
0: Your turn. Yeah. (laughs) I am Andrew. Um, Been hunting, fishing, loving every day for (laughs) all my life. (laughs) Thank you, Luke Bryan, for an awesome song. Um, No... Definitely started with fishing, since you can kind of do that at a younger age. Um, trout fished with my dad growing up, and just doing that sort of thing. Pretty, pretty average for what everybody around here does. Um, started hunting when I was 12. Um, had the privilege of growing up hunting some private land, which probably led to me uh, having a better interest in it than if I would grow up hunting state land all the time. Um, because it definitely helps to be able to to harvest something, to um, you know help you fall in love with it. But yeah, just um, fishing, hunting, um, hunting's. I guess it depends on the season. Hunting <laughs> takes a little bit more of the the love than the fishing does, but, um, bass fishing's probably my definitely my biggest fishing love now rather than trout fishing um but yeah archery hunting is where it's at don't really care about guns and um yeah i for work i have my own remodeling construction business um just started that this year as well as i have two kiddos with one on the way so um things are things are very busy um so when we say that we are average joes we are average Joes. We hunt pretty much... <laughs> Weekends. The weekend, you know, weekend warriors. If we get an opportunity to, we might dip out of work early on a Friday or even just take off on a Friday. But um, I don't think I've ever taken a full week off for hunting or anything like that. So... I wish. So, yeah, it should be, uh, you know, it should be fun. I mean, we have to be on top of our game to be successful, so. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, do a little bit of an intro um, behind the Vertex Outdoors stuff. Um, Yeah, so I guess
1: we came through the name Vertex kind of by mistake. We were just looking up random stuff and stumbled upon it, and the definition of Vertex is the highest point, the top, or apex, or mountaintop, and... Really that's what we want to reach is we want to be able to reach the the top apex mountain top of being all around outdoorsmen, so whether that's hunting, fishing, even just conservation efforts and taking care of you know the land that we're blessed with as well as you know making sure that we are when we do harvest an animal, we are doing it in the most pure and humane way possible and creating as little suffering and all that for it. As well as just pushing ourselves to be better. So that's kind of where the Vertex came from and
0: what that really means to us, I guess. Yeah, as far as um, plans of stuff that we want to do with it, um, we have an Instagram account right now. You can check that out. It's Vertex underscore outdoors. Um, I like to think we got lots of good content going on. Um, Yeah, let us know if we don't. And one thing um, that we haven't got a chance to do much of with that that I would like to do is, is just connect with other people. Obviously, you can follow people and that sort of thing. But, um, like, I would like to get to the point where we're sharing people's photos and that sort of thing. Like, it's really not, it's not about us as it is just, like, the community aspect of hunting and fishing in general. Right, and really grow that community and
1: help in its evolution. and. yeah. Yeah, and cause growth is our is
0: a big goal. I think like there's a lot of people out there that are really good at hunting, really good at fishing. Um, they just you know maybe they don't care about the exposure or whatever, but um, they have a lot of good knowledge. Um, but I think usually everybody cares about the community aspect. Um, you know, as much as we would like to have the woods to ourselves or the river to ourselves, a stream to ourself, <laughs> Um numbers is is definitely important aspect to this um, the fewer people that do this stuff then the quicker it's going to disappear so i mean it, it, it all plays together um, as an important piece and then going along with that thought process part of what we want to do with this podcast is to get some of those people on here um, we are based out of central pennsylvania Uh, A lot of high hunting pressure, public land, um, which we actually do a good chunk of public land hunting. Yeah, public land, public access. A lot of public access is probably the main thing, um, just because people don't really know how to track that stuff down too much. And there's quality deer. Yeah, there's Uh, a lot of access. There's a lot of access, Mm -hmm. so there's, you know, all that good stuff. But anyway, yeah, so if if, uh, you are somebody that... You know, happens to to be good at hunting or fishing, um, or you know somebody that's just always into big fish, always into big deer, um, or whatever. Um, have them get in contact with us. Yeah, we'll have to have them on, hit us up. We'll we'll get them on. Um, you know, because again, there's just lots of people out there that are good at this stuff, and everybody usually has a different way of doing it yeah um, what some people believe in scent control some people don't um, some people just use basic fishing setups some people go crazy with <laughs> Tokyo rigs and Nico rigs and all that good stuff so so yeah we just really believe that everybody has a lot to offer and we want to take advantage of that and learn from them yeah and help pass that knowledge on to all of you the listener And outside of Instagram and podcasts, we have a YouTube channel set up. No videos yet. Uh, We want to get into – we may end up doing video podcasts if that's something that people are actually interested in. Um, But we want to do basically little tech tips. Type deals with, like, hunting setups. Uh, probably do some fishing videos. Absolutely. Try and get some hunting, actual hunting footage and videos yeah. in there. Uh, Hopefully this year we'll get some
1: good hunting videos. Yeah, we might even... There. Some self-filmed um, and team
0: film hunts and see what we can make happen. Yeah, and uh, we are working on some access to new properties. So there may be a... Um, basically a close to season speed scouting video that comes probably sooner rather than later since we are hopefully (laughs) we are danger close on the season here um but yeah that's some of some of what we want to do as we said we do a lot of public land uh public land hunting public access hunting uh pretty minimal amount of actual private land i think we only have Really two, two properties. Two properties that we not, have access to. They're that not large, per one's, se. One's 30 acres, and yeah. the other one's pretty good size, but that, we don't even get to hunt that as often as, as I would like to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's all right, because, you know, can't win them all, and we find good deer elsewhere. So, yeah, I guess uh, we're going to hop in. Just a little hunting discussion. I think we're going to focus on Andy, um, since last year was his first year uh, really hunting, first year archery hunting, uh, which is crazy. Um. So yeah, just dive into some of that. Um. Yeah, I guess if you want to do like a little intro, like a little bio in your archery. Oh boy, bio? Since, since you just picked up a bow.
1: Yeah, so last year time, I... Uh... Picked up a bow from a buddy and decided that this was something that I was going to take seriously and if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And next thing you knew, I was, I don't know, everything I needed and could ever possibly want for a hunt and sitting in a tree waiting for deer to walk in front of me. A lot of prep work went into it. Shot a lot throughout the summer.
0: Won a techno league.
1: Won a techno league and... Which I think... I think, Which was pretty crazy it's, considering... It's crazy. It's really very never, impressive. Yeah, I had really little experience with a bow other than, oh, yeah, we well, shot a recurve in gym class and had one of those three-pound pole youth bows when I was little and didn't even have a sight on it. You just looked basically shot it like a recurve, looked right down the arrow and hoped you hit the box you were aiming at. Otherwise, I mean... I've definitely fallen head over heels in love with hunting and especially the archery aspect. Cause it's a lot more intimate than sitting on, you know, a couple hundred yards away from a big deer and pulling the trigger. You're more up close and personal and a lot more goes into it as far as everything you do from prep work, getting into the tree. And even if you're doing a spot and stalk, you know, you just, you gotta be ready to, to blow deer and, know that you're going to make mistakes but if you can minimize those mistakes then you're going to have success and that's all i'm trying to do (laughs) minimize those mistakes i
0: think think you did a pretty good job of that last year being able to kill two deer in your first year (laughs) ever archery hunting so yeah i mean don't get me wrong i made a lot of mistakes last year um
1: definitely passed a lot of deer i shouldn't have passed just because i was being stubborn and wanted that first one to be you know a buck of some kind and instead of you know taking a 20 yard chip shot at a broadside doe I said nope there's going to be a buck following it I'm going to let it walk and I did that more times than I can count last year and it did not pay out for me till the last day and even then I still didn't get my buck but that's all right um yeah I mean I missed a few deer last year and just got over anxious and took some crack shots that probably shouldn't have at least one of them for sure. I mean it was well past last light, and I could still make out a silhouette, but once you get to full draw and you 're looking through the peep, I was aiming at a general idea of where the the deer were, and <laughs> thankfully didn't hit anything because that would have been a nightmare because it would have been a really poorly placed shot, most likely, stupid, yeah, it was, and I admit that. <laughs> But it was, you know, growing pains, I guess. At that point, I had sat in the rain all day, and I wanted to kill something really bad. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, my first year that I shot last year was definitely a poor play shot. I hit it back, and I don't know. We can get into that debate the all day. The old broadhead discussion. Yeah, the fixed blade and mechanical. But thankfully, I was shooting a pretty big cut mechanical and ended up being okay at was not the most desirable shot placement by any means, but thankfully it cut it deep enough that it wasn't a wound deer that was going well, kind to of die. There's, and, there's zero doubt there.
0: that the broadhead is the reason that deer was recovered.
1: Oh, yeah. If, if I had shot that with a fixed blade, it probably would have gotten an infection and died a couple yeah. weeks later and would have been a really... A lot more painful death than it already was because like I said it was a poor place shot but you know that's part of learning and you know taking your time and
0: And it was focusing
1: on those pins really I, I mean last year I definitely looked through my site and as soon as I saw okay this is I'm hitting the deer with all my pins are on the deer I'm dropping I'm letting it go and hoping for the best and that is not the answer but, but, you know, that's just part of that young hunter. You can listen to other people say it, but until you do it yourself, it's hard to really understand what they're talking about. Even when a little fawn walks in front of you, your knees start shaking and you don't know what to do with your life. I'm still that way. <laughs> that's all right, though. That means you just love it. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say I had a good success last year. Two deer, my first year ever hunting, and... Grant, that's that's really good success rate. <laughs> Neither of them were that big trophy buck, but that's all right. That'll be this year. <laughs> Gotta stay positive.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think... Well, I guess let's just jump into since last year was your first year. You know, you went and sat with me one time well, mm-hmm. during rifle season. Cool day. Didn't see any deer. Just happened to be the way... That played out, but so that was what I think maybe your only ever hunting experience prior to last year. Yes.
1: Um, no, that was my second. My first ever was, I went to New York's upstate New York, and sat with my cousin for. I don't know two hours, and I mean it was, it was December. It was snowing, and my cousin my younger cousins that were my age group are all out sledding and tubing and i had no interest in sitting in the woods <laughs> so <laughs> i bailed out of there pretty quick and probably ruined his hunt looking back but that's okay um but yeah and then my first actual all right i'm gonna sit out here we're gonna look for deer and we're gonna hopefully shoot something that i took a little more serious was when you and i went and we sat along the fence row for i don't know a couple hours yeah four or five hours and it was in the morning yeah and sat over a field that they usually walk right out into and graze for a hot minute and just nothing came out but at the same time i couldn't care less if a deer had walked out at that point i was having a great time enjoying nature sitting there with my brother and i mean if something walked out that'd just be the icing on the cake really didn't even need to kill anything
0: just wanted to be in the woods and having a great time so I'm curious as to, you know, those are your, were your only two experiences hunting mm-hmm. leading up to last year, archery hunting, um, which rifle hunting and archery are almost a night and day difference in general. But I'm just curious as to what you um, kind of thought overall compared to what you might have expected, like what way, in what ways were they different? Um, like your expectations to the reality of what it was
1: Uh, I mean last year I hunted a lot of properties I had those private property that had you know we could somewhat manage the deer population and had a lot of good footage of deer on camera and everything else and I expected to see a lot more deer than I did last year and whether some of that was you know me leaving scent or making noise or push them around going in and out of the woods could have been some of that but it was also I think you know just because you have a an idea of what their pattern in does pattern is does not mean they follow that every day to a T. and that was something I learned last year for sure um otherwise I expected it I don't want to say I expected it to be easy but I definitely did not think it was going to be as hard as it was as far as just demanding not just time but physically and I mean even when you're just sitting there in a tree stand and it's after you take your little morning nap after that it's you're pretty much on high alert most of the day and it can drain you pretty quick you're looking around everywhere and just the anticipation of something walking out in front of you can definitely yeah straining
0: straining your eyes when it's getting first light yeah it wears you out pretty quick but yeah and last light for that matter anybody who does not drink them five hour energy is the
1: oh, way to go cash money heading into the trees
0: <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> they're not a sponsor we are not Dirk Bentley but five hour energy <laughs> and it's tasty too <laughs> So, yeah, I guess you kind of hit a little bit on mistakes and some of the lessons um, that you kind of took away, but I guess we'll we'll, we'll hop hop back to that that idea. Um, Is there any that you, in particular, you care to expound on? I mean, you mentioned quite a few from just shot process, scent, potentially actually I don't Yeah, did, I mean, did you get winded specifically that you know you got winded
1: right? I did not last year Okay. but I also did a lot of scent control last year uh, I kept everything I every piece of clothing and a gear I could in a like a Walmart cooler with a couple a bunch of those fresh earth wafers in there so at least I had some kind of you know, they say if you don't smell like anything, you smell like a human. So, I want it to smell like dirt, and I accomplished that last year. <laughs> I mean, you could smell my dirt coming from miles away. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I did a lot of scent control last year, and I tried to play the wind as best as I could, but at the same time, I mean, I had on enough scent control, ideally, that Even if the wind was blowing straight down their noses, they'd have just been like, oh, someone's digging dirt somewhere, and hopefully not thought anything of it. But, nah, the only time I got truly busted last year was on a missed shot, and Dill let out a nice little snort and stomped her foot a couple of times, and that was that. (laughs) A missed arrow will give it away pretty quickly. Yeah, Yeah, that one... That one hurt a little. There was a big chunk of pride that left with that missed shot because it was an easy shot. (laughs) But again, you know, hit the pins all over the body and thought, I'm just going to let her rip. There's no way I'm missing. And sure enough, like, not more than 30 yards, and it went right over her back. And there there she went, just slow hopped off into the woods again.
0: I don't like talking about that one. That one hurts still. Well that is target panic is an issue that I struggled with pretty much up until this year um I as far as my bow hunting mm-hmm. form and and all that nonsense, it was all self taught I mean I had like a little kid's bow that I played with in the yard when I was a kid, and any good or bad habits probably developed then because I shot that religiously when I was a kid killing killing deer yeah. while my dad was actually out killing deer and so yeah well and I don't know that, that I just a big struggle. I don't know that I call
1: it truly target panic, but it was one of those things where just a really a truly amateur hunter like I still am, but yeah cuz you do great on
0: paper. Yeah as far and I as do you don't anticipate anything. And it
1: was one of those things where it was just I want to say I panicked, but I got really excited that I had such an easy shot at a close distance. I mean, she was full broadside at somewhere between 20 and 30. And I remember thinking to myself if she moves any closer, I'll shoot 20. If she doesn't, I'll shoot between 20 and 30. And I got the full draw, and my vision went blurry. (laughs) Went a little blurry and I was like I was so amped up that I couldn't focus on the pins and I thought to myself You were seeing red and hearing
0: oh, yeah. the sizzle of the frying pan Yeah,
1: I was my arrow was already bloodied at that point in my mind and I held over and thought, Alright, there's no way I'm missing. I probably didn't even have a good sight picture and my pins were probably on the tree behind her, not on her. <laughs> yeah, it I ended up going probably probably a good six inches over her back so I was well off the target line and I was probably actually holding like a 50 pin at a 25 yard shot so did not did not go as planned that is for sure
0: the pins the pins are a good topic um that's something especially this year well after I'm assuming that scenario last year is when you really started probably to question some of that But our sights were pretty similar in that, like we both shoot or shot.
1: Yeah, a multi pin.
0: I shot a five pin. Yeah, we both shot a five pin. um, And the pins really, for the most part, get pretty jumbled, you know, 20 to 40, and then they start to spread out from there. It's a lot to look at. It's a lot to look at. In my mind, part of the thing, it's a lot to think about. Um, Making sure you're on the right one and everything. You know, I think it's important to like. Obviously, you want to make sure you think through everything before you take a shot. Um, But sometimes, if you can eliminate some of that, it may just makes for an easier process. Yeah, if you can make the process. Because sometimes in the in the heat of the moment, like it's easy, it's easy to, you know, just throw the wrong pin on there and be like, hey, um, you know, you just shot your 50 pin and a yeah. 20 yard deer. Well, that that one's a little more difficult, but, well, but I definitely did that, so, <laughs> but no, I mean, and even picking on, well, I have even done that Yeah, shooting in a yard before. And my pins I shot, are, I shot, um, you know, a 30, shot my 30 pin for when I was shooting 20 yards.
1: Yeah, and I mean, my uh, pins are all, which is,
0: I mean, it is rare, but, my
1: twenty. 30, 50 and 60 pin are all the same color. My only off color is my 40. And mm. if you're in somewhere between that, when you're looking at the... I mean, let's say you're shooting 40 and you're thinking, all right, 40 is off color. It's not hard to actually aim 50 or 30 because they, they all jumble together. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, it's something that I've learned to really how to look at the pins and then see target beyond that instead of looking at the target and then find the pins. So I focus more on the pins. I do the target itself and let the pin fall into place over where the target line is. And then... Right. So if I'm at 50 yards, I'm focusing on that 50-yard pin until it drops into basically the X, will say, and at that point, I'll do my hold and control my breathing and let her, let her fly, but really, last year, it was focus on the target, move the pins into place, and then go from there. And I mean, it worked, but it did not work effect- effectively, that's for sure. It was not a very efficient way of doing
0: things. Yeah, and I changed up the whole equation by switching to a... Single pin. A single pin with two pins, because I can't fully embrace the concept of one pin. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a fair chance that when you're drawing back, like if you get if you get spotted, um, they're going to take that one or two take, bounds. Yeah, they're going to take a couple Stop of bounds, and look back at you. At you. Know, you're talking about a 15 yard difference, maybe, um, which isn't a big deal when you're using multi pins. But again, my big thing is just getting rid of all those pins. Like, so that way I have one, in this case, two pins that I can focus on. But still, I mean, I really am only shooting one pin. Ideally, uh, yeah. And most stands, I mean, you're ranging. You're doing ranges in the stand. That way you know what distance you're shooting I anyway. I all day looking through my range So, I mean, probably for my setups, more times than not, my pin's going to be set at, like, 25 and then the secondary pin i shoot the spot hog fast eddy xl um so the second pin falls usually about 15, 15 yards difference um from the first one and i went with that sight for the reason of you know if i ever get spotted while i'm drawn back or if even you know even if the you know, you try and stop a buck or a doe, and they just keep on walking. Um, yeah. You know, or, they're, they're still covering ground. So or that
1: the, buck is hot on the tail of a hot yeah. doe and takes those extra couple of steps.
0: so while you're getting everything ready. Yeah, so my initial pin is usually going to be set at 25, um, so then I'm looking at about 40 for my secondary pin, mm-hmm. and really from there, I mean, anything inside 20 yards, it's just you know, aim a little low if anything, but I mean there's not a big difference between, you know, even fifteen and twenty five. Yeah. Not not with the with the bows that we shoot and the way that how flat they shoot anymore. There's not a big difference at that close a range. Um but then even at distance, you know, if if my secondary pins at forty, um, you know, let's say they're at forty five, you know, then I just aim a little high you know kind of right. accommodate that way obviously if i have time i'm going to just completely um you know do the quick turn of the site and get it at the proper yardage um, but i am you know i'm not naive and i'm aware that you know a situation is going to present itself where i don't have the time to do that so right it's like anything else with hunting like you want to just make sure you're thinking through all the scenarios going with the setup that you're you're confident in that um, gives you the most advantage. I mean, and I'll say that too. Since I switched from a multi-pin to a single-pin sight, a I get to practice further, which yeah. helps in that way alone. My, I'm my jealous of that. My multi-pin sight would bottom out at 60 yards, whereas now I'm able to practice out to 100. Um, so that's a game changer. Plus, just not having all that stuff in, like it is way easier to focus on the target.
1: Well, I mean, part of the problem, at least I find with the multi-pin, and I probably will switch eventually, it's just a matter of when, is I, can, I could probably uh, drop my 60-pin down and get close to 90, maybe a little over, but then when I go out to the woods, I'm not going to shoot a deer at 90 yards. So then I have to re that pin back in. And it's not that it's a ha- like hard, it's more just that it's a hassle. And to take the time to slowly drop that back to 90, because you're not just going to drop it down, you know, a handful of notches and call it good and send one from 90 yards and hope for the yeah. best. You know, you're going to slowly take your couple of steps back and drop it as you go all the way back as far as you can or whatever you're gonna set it to and but then you're set there and then you have to basically reverse the process moving in back to 60 or if you're shooting a four pin 50 or whatever you have your pin set at and I don't know it just seems like a lot of extra work because in all reality there are a few places I could rip a 60 yard shot that we hunt regularly and if I did it wouldn't be a a hard shot at this point for me to make because I'm throwing a lot of sixties yeah. and I don't know that I would shoot at sixty anyway unless it was. I wouldn't let a white tail, but. I mean, if it was a a dream deer, I'd like to say I'd let it walk. That's <laughs> but it's, that probably a good segue. I mean, if it's a mainframe, <laughs> freaking twelve point, that's gonna be a yeah. or or even if it's a. Big ten with some drop points. I mean I guess Oh I'm letting it fly, I guess, buddy.
0: <laughs> I guess if we're throwing pipe dreams out and then I'm letting it fly. Then at in 60. the pipe dream
1: you're gonna hit that shot at sixty yards, but But uh but no, I mean in all reality, the furthest I'll probably actively shoot is I would would feel very confident at forty. Depending on the day, I would shoot fifty. And that's more or less what the wind's doing. As far as, you know, left right wind flow and
0: yeah, I'll what shoot. what the deer are doing yeah. if they're
1: just sitting there grazing and taking a step every two minutes and don't know you're there and have no no idea that right. I'm in the tree, I would think of, I would definitely consider that fifty yard shot a higher
0: I would probability of taking it. Yeah, but if it's if they're walking fast enough to the point to where you have to, you know, oh, do if I'm trailing the bow, or something mm. to to make them stop. Yeah. Um, then that's not a shot I would take. A deer no. White tailed deer are very fast. Um, and their reaction time and I, is... I mean, oh, I man. had one, I had one dodge and arrow at 30 yards. You know, they either, they either duck or they turn. This one, I'm, I mean, I aimed for the duck, you know, 30 yards is still, it's close, but it's far enough away that they're, There's a no- they're going to react to that shot.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I aimed for the duck, and rather than ducking, the deer just completely turned, and mm-hmm. did turn out of the way of the arrow. Um, so I mean that's just, I mean they're so that's, fast. That's like a half half second. So I mean, throw that at fifty yards. I mean they can turn and take a couple couple bounds maybe. Um, by the time the arrow, probably not a couple bounds, but but yeah, either they're way, they're, least, turn, they're There's least, plenty of time to moving. react. So if they are at all alert to any kind of you know just you <laughs> strange presence or whatever um you know and you know in a scenario where you have to to grunt or something to get a deer to stop oh, they, they're looking they right at instantly you. at that second go into high alert so then as soon as you let that arrow go they're jumping the string now granted in that scenario well i shouldn't say in that scenario but at 50 yards i'm aiming low anyway Um, just because they're gonna they're They're gonna gonna jump a string at that distance whether they're alert or not um so pretty much aiming like i'd be aiming maybe just below the belly pretty much low enough that you know if they duck it's on the money pump house or if they don't duck then you're looking at a clean miss yeah um which I think is probably the ethical thing to do. Some people would argue that the ethical thing to do is to not take a 50 yard shot, but again, it's right it's it's, being, it's what you're comfortable with. I think 50 yards is definitely a possibility, but it, you know it's if they absolutely have no clue in there, I don't right. have to stop the deer, um, that sort of thing, which is, I don't want to say is an unlikely scenario, but they present themselves very. Few times, Right.
1: And it's, I mean, it's feasible on some of the property we hunt, you know, just because of where their food sources are and where the stands are in relation to that. And, you know, they come through and slow graze across and mosey on down to the next place. But if you're just in the middle of some hard timber, chances are you are not going to get, hey, if you rip a 50 yard shot, you have one heck of a shooting lane cleared and you are really anticipating them walking through it because chances are they're not moving slow. They're, yeah. they're just walking right on through, maybe picking up an acorn here or there, but they're not slow grazing across a food plot or a bean field or anything like that. They're, they're on their way to do those yeah. things.
0: And that's, that's my other aspect to a single-pin site. You know, as I mentioned before, more times than not, it's going to be set at 25, secondary pins at 40. And a lot of people, I will hear their argument of, well, what if you have to make a quick shot? You know, you're not going to have time to range and adjust. And My thought process is, if I have to, if I'm going to have to move that quickly to make that shot, I mean, a, I cover my bases from five yards all the way out to forty to start with, pretty much forty five. So I'm covering a good, dream. a good chunk of distance there. Um, but if I'm having to make that quick of an adjustment, it's probably, a it's probably not a shot that I need to take anyway. Right. Um, you know, that's, at, at the end of the day, it's about, it's about um, being ethical. Like, I mean, we definitely owe that to the animal to, you know, to make sure that we are going to put the shot where we want it. Obviously, bad shots do happen, but even in that mm-hmm. scenario...
1: Yeah, I mean, you want them to at least
0: being somewhat smart about it. Yeah, you just, want it
1: to have at least as quick and painless death as you can. I mean, don't get me wrong; there is really no such thing as a pain free death for these animals more times than not. Unless they get smoked by a, a semi truck that's doing seventy, and then they're not feeling anything. But really, I mean, infection or even just an aging death is not going to be pain free for. You no, know, it's going to be long and yeah. Out. I mean, th- even for humans and death at old age of just being old I mean I don't know I'm 28 and my bones hurt already I've had two knee surgeries and I mean arthritis and stuff already so it's not a fun process for these deer who have a hard life as it is I mean trekking up and down mountains and surviving all the weather and winters and everything else I mean it's not hard to put an ethical shot on a deer and hopefully well hopefully it's not hard to do that and give them a quicker pain pain free or close to as you can death and put some meat in the freezer yeah shot shot
0: shot selection and just I mean making sure it's definitely yeah you know I mean we I mean we put it up a lot on our Instagram practice 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 like we're out shooting all the time um Yeah. I mean we don't shoot in the rain, but if it's windy I'll still shoot. I would shoot. I don't shoot as far, but it's like it's nice to know you know, it's nice to know how like weather, like wind and that sort of thing. To get an idea of how it affects your flight. Um, you know, it gives you an opportunity to see how far you're confident. Like if it's a a windy day then, you know, there's not a chance a forty or fifty yard shot goes out. It might shrink down to twenty five or thirty.
1: Right. Well, last year, I mean, aside from my one, I sat in the rain all day and last light, I'm just going to send one out there out of, I guess, out of just stupid pride. Aside from that, I would have not even thought of taking a shot beyond 35 yards last year. Not because I didn't think I could hit the target, but I also knew, you know... The fever. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if it still had spots on it. I was shaking like a leaf and... I did not have the confidence in myself to put a good ethical shot on a deer at 40, 50 yards last year at all. This year, the amount we've been practicing and going out to those deeper ranges, I mean... We we are at thousands of arrows at this point. Yeah, you step out deep and then decide to hit one in from close, you... It's a game changer. Oh my gosh. It makes a... If you're shooting, I don't know, I can't even think of a size. If you're shooting at a 5-inch white square on a black target at 70 yards, and you step into 30 and shoot that same target, that's like shooting at a 32-inch flat-screen TV, man. I mean, it is massive target. Yeah, It's unreal how much more confidence that gives you to take those closer shots with no hesitation. I mean, I have and I don't want to say I didn't group last year, but I didn't group arrows at all like I am this year. This year I'm ripping fletchings every week and literally yeah, literally. I can't go a week without having to get at least 2-3 arrows refletched and that's at yardages well beyond what I was doing that last year. I'm doing that at 40 and 50 this year, where last year I was lucky to do it at Twenty, thirty. If I if I was really having a good day, I could do it at thirty. But this year, it's nothing to do it at forty, fifty yards. I mean, I still have off days, but it's definitely,
0: I guess, a good problem to have. It's just annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all right. And that's the that's just the yardage aspect. I mean, when you throw, like one thing to think about too is when you throw. Um, you know, if a if a deer is perfectly broadside, if they're quartering two, quartering away, um, like it's important to think about all those shot shot processes. You yeah, know, that's a good a f- question. A frontal shot. If you had one
1: position that you want to shoot a deer in, what shot are you taking?
0: I'd prefer a quartering away. Dude, me too. That's I right. could care
1: less if they're full broadside. I
0: would love a quartering away shot. And. Well, looking away from, well, My yeah. big thing with that is you take some of that front shoulder out of the equation, which, again, goes to the broadhead debate. Mm-hmm. I, just knowing myself as a shooter, I tend to—I mean, most guys try and pin it pretty close to that front, front shoulder—
1: and then um, if it leaks back a little, you have all the room in the world. But well, that's, if you leak that's it forward, you're
0: right. blowing into the shoulder. Yeah. You know, you can you have a little wiggle room to the back, and you'll still hit lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you won't hit lungs if you're chipping that front shoulder at all, um, but obviously it becomes a penetration issue. And I just know myself for whatever reason, um, I just naturally tend to be a little more on the forward side of things rather than the yeah. backward side of things. So, if I get a quartering away shot, you move some of that shoulder, that shoulder out, out of the way. You can anything, obviously, through and hopefully you can still the, clip the far stomach, shoulder. liver, depending on, I mean, ideally, you don't want a super hard quartering away, um, well, no, but I mean, at ideally, least, I mean, you're going through all that, you're hitting lungs. In a
1: perfect world, um, you're, in a quartering way, you're going through both lungs and blowing out the far shoulder on your way, <laughs> way yeah. out, and that's really going to cut down the distance that that deer goes. I mean, it's going to lose a lot of air fast and then it's not going to be able to, and that's, to run real well.
0: And, and then that's a the thing when, I don't know, I've, I've shot, shot deer with both mechanical and fixed blade. And, um, I mean, they both were super effective. Deer only went like 60 yards. Um, one actually, I'm trying to think one was quartering to one was quartering away. Both hit, offside shoulder Um, so the quartering too is you know I tucked that right inside the front Mm -hmm. front shoulder which you know is probably a debatable shot to some um, but it was it was very effective the deer in both scenarios the deer actually died in the exact same spot yeah I mean you want to talk about a but the blood even well I had I shot a grim reaper which I was impressed with the broadhead's durability and that sort of thing Um, but blood trail which i'm assuming probably just mostly because no exit since i hit the offside shoulder blood trail wasn't that good with that Um, used to shoot the magnus um, stinger buzz cuts Mm -hmm. they flew really great for a flick fixed blade Um, blood trail wasn't that great with those uh, which they're more of just a two you know, two a, blade a, a two with a, blade with a, cutter. with a little cutter, which is why I switched to the Muzzy Trocar, which, you know, has the three fixed blades. Um.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about debatable shots, I took a full frontal last year.
0: Well, I think... I think
1: <laughs> and, I mean, it worked. I mean, I didn't hit her quite where I wanted to. I was a little high and ended up actually running right through the neck and cut the windpipe and the main artery there, the jugular, and, I mean, she only went It's probably 45 yards. It is a lethal lethal shot. But it was not the shot I wanted to take at her. I just, I was a little high, and, I mean, I was hoping to put it right through her breastplate and blow out the lungs, and if, you know, worst case scenario, it kept on trucking and hit all those, you know, stomach and liver and all that, but I was hoping to... Be a little lower and throw it right through her breastplate, but just a little high and whacked her in the throat. But it, I mean,
0: she died very fast. Yeah, it's a it's a very lethal shot. I think again, it just goes back to being confident in your shooting yeah. ability. I mean, you shoot you shoot a uh, two inch expandable. So I mean, there's, yeah, well, you're last definitely year, getting caught. You're getting lots of blood. Yeah, last year I shot the. Out. The Rage Extreme Four Blades
1: and those things have just an immense amount of cutting surface. Um,
0: this year I did switch to, to, to over is it over three inches with that? Oh my
1: oh yeah. I I don't think it's supposed to be, but it by the time you add the slap and a little bit of a tear yeah. that comes with it. I mean my first year, the one that was a little back, I could put my fist through the exit hole of where it blew through. I mean, it was just A massive wound. The uh, this year I switched to the hypodermic, no collars, just because I liked the four blade, but I did not like the rage collars. I they constantly were getting you know if you're doing a little anything where you have an arrow in the bow and you're walking, you brush up against a little bit of something, or you catch its twig, it can pop the collar, you know pulling it out of the quiver pop the collar and then you're sitting there in the tree unscrewing everything and putting it all back together so the no collars are freaking awesome I mean if I happen to pop one and just put it right back in there don't have to unscrew the ferrule at all and that's ready to roll and they have been shooting really well I mean at 40 50 yards it's sitting exactly where my field points sit the other day I did a test shot and it's on our Instagram page of, you know, field points, the rage practice broadhead, and then a single rage hypodermic no collar. And I mean, everything was, if it was off, it was me and it was, you know, not off by much. It was, Oh, I missed that one half inch right of the, the white spot on the target. But, I mean they are shooting the lights out. I can't wait to put one through a deer this year. <laughs> and so, see what they do.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll uh, hop back to the topic that we started with before <laughs> we rabbit trailed on the broadheads. Well, you know, it happens um, so easily. But <laughs> shot shot selection slash more or less passing deer. Yeah. Um, like in the scenario of full frontal shot. Um, like probably the biggest thing I've learned is like usually there's time obviously you know when you're out new to hunting want to shoot something mm-hmm. it, it does get the better of you um, and I'm not even going to say it wouldn't get the better of me fortunately that scenario doesn't present itself too often um, yeah. but if you wait especially you know we're hunting whitetail in the woods we're hunting from tree stands like if you wait like usually there's time if you are patient enough an opportune shot is going to present itself. Right. And I. Th- she, I don't know, I was
1: under the, I thought in the time that she was going to keep going up the hill and had she continued to go up, I would have lost my shot due to other trees and not being able to turn far enough that direction with where the stand was in relation to where right. they came from and were traveling to looking back she was gonna walk right in front of me at 15
0: yards right and I just which some of that can be chalked up to just an experience
1: yeah I mean I definitely thought she was gonna and looking back I realized she would not have turned because they had no idea we were there and she turned and was getting ready to come right in front of us and I thought oh she just turned just to check out what's going on and I thought for sure in the moment that she was going to continue up the hill. So I, I mean, at that point I was already at full draw. And if I had waited another couple of really 15 seconds, she'd have probably been full broadside at, I don't know, 15, 20 yards maybe. But instead I took a just over 20 yard shot at a full frontal. And
0: I mean, it worked, but definitely not a high percentage shot. Well, I don't think, again, I don't think it's a bad shot at a close distance. No. If you're 20 yards or closer, then...
1: Right. And I uh, mean,
0: I had I mean, no... Ever, I don't think I'm ever really going to ream
1: anybody out because, I mean... Oh, I had no hesitation in taking it. I was confident in the shot. I, I, just, I very
0: much believe in being confident in your shot. Um you know, and some of us, this archery thing is just like you're going to make st- mistakes. And, yeah, and you got to learn from some, them. Sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Obviously, you know, that's part, of, part of why we want to do podcasts. Part of why we want to try and do some videos and stuff is that so hopefully...
1: People don't um, make our mistakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, people don't make our mistakes. Um, definitely made fair share for sure. Well, and uh, some of it is too. I mean, some of them you have to make for yourself. Yeah, I mean, and my well, that's and I guess that's where the the confidence aspect comes in. Like, get out, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. So that when the time comes, um, you know, you're you're gonna take a shot you're confident in. Um, you know, even in a scenario where it might maybe not the ideal shot, but your chances of actually putting it where you want it are much greater. Right. Some some people uh, confidence can lead to Well, and even just chances, back to but, you know I mean, we I talked a little rare. bit on scent control and stuff like that. I mean,
1: and hunting the wind if you can go in and not hunt the wind and have great success if your scent control is done really well and even if you don't have any scent control, you can still have good success depending on where you're hunting, but I mean, you can take someone's word for it on Deer have a great sense of smell because they do. Or you can go out there and risk it for the biscuit and see what happens. But, I mean, last year I definitely hunted winds that were not the most productive. And whether that was because of them winding me and I had no idea that there was even a deer nearby. Or that, you know, just they didn't move during that wind. But it's definitely... A lot of learning curve and trial and error and some stuff you do have to get wrong yourself to kind of realize, okay, I see what they're saying or what, you know, oh, so that's why John Dudley does it this
0: way or (laughs) Cameron Haynes or whoever. Well, and (laughs) that's, you know, I guess we'll just kind of wrap up with that thought is like, that's, that's the fun part about archery as opposed to hunting with a rifle. A, when I rifle hunt, I don't really worry about scent control. Mm-mm. I mean, at this point, now that I have a scent crusher bag, I'll.
1: Yeah, it'll still be pretty well, pretty well done use, anyway. I
0: did not used to. If I didn't have a bag, I still wouldn't really do any scent control. Cause yeah, maybe a spray
1: not, down on your way into the woods, if anything.
0: You know, gun season, they're just running around all stupid, just trying not to get shot, that they usually run up to you and get shot. Yeah. Um, like, it's just. Case in point, yours massive massive yeah. freaking deer but whatever. but that's 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 the fun part about archery is it's up close and personal with the animal it's it's, Intimate. i mean it's mano-a-mano um you're trying yeah. trying to outsmart them be on top of the food trying chain, to be the ultimate predator it it's the most uh one, one, probably one of the most rewarding things I've, yeah i've done yeah success yeah. really success like in terms of harvest successful or not yeah aside from your kids you know that's pretty rewarding too though. yeah that's true <laughs> but i know what you're saying
1: <laughs> yeah no it's i don't know it's a challenge that i
0: love taking head on i guess yeah so that's gonna do it for our first podcast and yeah just yeah. hope you enjoyed it thanks for tuning in and we'll catch yeah. you next time see you later guys